Today we're going to talk about understanding biological parents. Join us today on Fostering the Future. Welcome to the Fostering the Future podcast, a show about all things child welfare, dependency, adoption, and foster care. Here are your hosts, veterans in the world of child welfare, Jack and Kat. We believe that every human has incredible and equal value regardless of what side of the courtroom we sit on. We hope that everyone feels welcome and accepted here on Fostering the Future. Make sure you follow us on Facebook or Instagram as Fostering the Future Podcast, or check us out on our website at fosteringthefuturepodcast.org. Spend five minutes in child welfare, and you'll be bombarded with opinions on biological parents. Today, we have a biological parent here with us who has faced and overcome many obstacles and has built many close relationships along the way. Today, we have Mac here with us to share her story and her insights. So Mac, let me ask you a very serious question. Okay. What is your favorite drink at Starbucks? A Java chip frappuccino. (laughs) Are you buying me one today? (laughs) I think probably. Um, What is your favorite thing to do with your kids? Um, Take them to a water park or the beach. That's cool. They always talk about going to the beach with you, and they really like that. Yeah, I always uh, sunburn them, but (laughs) never stops them from going. Listen, I think that's just part of life when your your skin is on the lighter side and you live in Florida. You get a couple good burns at the beginning of the summer, and you're good to go. Yeah, well, I do it like every month. We just burn once, and then then we're good for a little bit. (laughs) Okay, what is your absolute best memory ever with your kids? Oh, that's really hard. Um, honestly, I'd probably say these past couple of months, like when I pick them up and like to see how happy my kids are to be with me. And then my kids like, I'm trying to get them to sleep in their own beds right now, but um, they just want to sleep with me and they sleep and they like snuggle me and they're like <laughs> literally on top of me. Um, my my six-year-old, she likes to put her foot in my face in the middle of the night. So, I mean, that's not really fun. But, I mean, it's, I'm glad that she's right there and she's close. Give me one word that you think people who don't know you would use to describe someone who's had their kids removed. Um, unworthy. Do you see yourself that way? Absolutely not. Do you think that there is something that makes people have um, judgment about someone who's had their kids removed? I mean, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is something you must have done messed up really bad for your kids to be taken from you in the first place. So, I mean, and honestly, we all do. We do mess up really bad, but the difference is we got caught. Most other parents don't get caught. You know, different circumstances can determine who's going to get caught or not. But fortunately, even though you got caught, you've completely radically changed your life 
I mean, I'm glad I got caught because it did save my life and my kid's life. God only knows where I would be if I didn't get caught. You know, it's really just a matter of chance or choice and, you know, one step differently. And, you know, I could be in your shoes and you could be in my shoes. So um, I think that it's really important that people take time to get to know parents and not just make assumptions based on the choices that, you know, put them in this position. Because if I was judged solely based on the worst decisions I've made in my life, you know, I wouldn't want people thinking of me that way. As, as much as I, I hate that you had to go through the experience of having your kids removed, I'm really glad that you're in my life and that wouldn't have happened without it. Yeah, it definitely opened up my eyes and I'm like completely grateful for you because I probably wouldn't be where I'm at without you either, so. Let me ask you a question. I know you mentioned at some point in time that you um, spent a night in foster care when you were younger. Do you um, remember that at all or is it just something, because I know some things that happened to me when I was a kid, I only remember because someone told me. Is that something that you remember or you just know happened? So, I mean, I remember little bits and pieces, but I'm not sure if it's just my memory or stuff that I have been told. Like, I remember I was literally only there for one night, and it was, um, they tried to get my mom in trouble because she said cuss words in front of us, and, um, so... Stop. <laughs> Shut the freak up. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, said cuss words, and, um, I believe it was my grandmother who called, and my mom went to the judge and was like, show me one parent who doesn't cuss in front of their kids, and you can take my kids. And the judge was like, have your kids back. Um, but this was in a different state, too. And this was, like, in the, in the 1900s. The 1900s. <laughs> the 1900s. Did you just say the 1900s? <laughs> but, Is that um, where we are now? <laughs> um, but I remember, like, going to this. And, like, I had my brothers and my sisters with me. And, like, we all got separated. So, I mean, that was scary. And, like, going to different houses and, like, one one of us getting dropped off at each house and like I remember going in there and um the foster mom wanted me to take a shower but I was like so uncomfortable that I didn't want to take a shower so she like tried she helped me take a shower and I think I was like six so I probably didn't need help but I was like terrified and then we went up and we went somewhere and I don't really remember where but it was like some store and then we went to the courthouse and they gave me back to my mom can you tell me because uh, I you know, I know that we all have different, I guess, journeys in our life. And um, I know we've talked a little bit about some of this, but I was kind of hoping that you could share with us kind of your, your I guess, your journey. Like, when, um, did you finish high school? Um, I tried to, but I got pregnant with my son, so no. When you got pregnant with your oldest child, uh, how old were you? I was 17. Um, so I had dropped out in like 10th grade and, um, I just really sucked at focusing. So I kept, I did the GED program twice. Um, and then I got pregnant and I probably could have finished, but you know, I was tired all the time and like, I didn't want to wake up. So I just stopped going. Okay. So, um, you, you were in school till 10th grade and then you got pregnant and you were trying to do, um, the GED program. And you were in a relationship with the father of your first child, right? I mean, if that's what you want to call it. So <laughs> I've known um, my my oldest kid's dad, his uncle, since um, I was in sixth grade. And we moved like two blocks away from him. So I just went to go say hi um, as a family friend. And then he had his nephew there. And um, 
he told me, don't talk to my nephew, he's bad news, and at 17, <laughs> we're going to do the exact opposite, so I went and got in a relationship <laughs> so with him. Yeah. Um, you uh, were in a relationship with him, you had two children? Yes, two. Two children, and uh, your second child, You, how old were you? I got pregnant with my second child when my my son was six months old, I believe. I was on birth control, but um, I was like not taking them the way I needed to, I guess. I thought I was, but apparently not because I had another baby. So uh, the relationship with their father ended um, at the time because I was a completely naive child. Like my mom, I guess, isolated. She didn't really isolate me. She just didn't let me know about the bad things in the world. I didn't know what drugs were and he was doing drugs and stealing money from us. So eventually he wound up going to jail for stealing um, some of my mom's things and pawning them. So he went to jail and when he went to jail, like you can't really date somebody in jail. So, um, so that relationship really ended, you ended that relationship because he um, went to jail because he was stealing and using drugs yeah, he was stealing my credit cards. Like, I remember um, New Year's Eve, I had bought him alcohol, and um, I gave it to him, and then I went to sleep with the kids, and I put my debit card under my pillow, and I don't know how this man got it, but he got under my pillow, took my debit card, went to the gas station, bought beer, cigarettes, and spice, I guess, whenever it was over the counter, and bought it, and I, like, woke up, and I was like, what the heck? Where's my debit card at? <laughs> right. Yeah, so my next kid's dad is, um, again, I was young, so don't judge me for this. Uh, he was he was a bad boy. I mean, he's not a bad guy, but it's just, it, I just don't trust him anymore, so that relationship fell apart at the end, too. Do either of them have relationships with the kids? No. So you're a single mom of four kids at this point, right? Absolutely. And who is your support at this point? Honestly, I mean, my mom was always there. So I mean, I would, I guess she would be my support, but I had friends that were um, drinking, so they were my support. They didn't do drugs, so I guess I, that wasn't bad. Um, honest, if they were really my support then, like I guess I don't know because nobody from that time is still around me. So you didn't really, other than your mom, you didn't really have a lot of support at that time? No. Right. We talk a lot about how children need structure and stability. But we forget that as adults, we absolutely crave structure and we crave stability as well. And in fact, it's vital to our sense of well-being. Emotional support helps to combat loneliness. It reduces depression and anxiety. So emotional support is just vital to all people, all humans, adults and children. Your uh, littlest little cutie princess who doesn't like dirt. Oh, Tell yes. me how she came into this world. Um, so I got with her dad and I was um, using already at the time and I watched um, him overdose in a hotel and I was by myself with him. I watched him overdose and like it terrified me and um, I guess it was like a trauma bond that I got like with him and um, I wanted to save him but like now I know I can't save anybody but myself but that's how I got pregnant with her like we I tried to save him I moved him into my house which was not a good idea now um and then I we just got pregnant I mean I guess drugs make you fertile <laughs> you know I, I've kind of seen that to be the case <laughs> I'm just, I, I don't know really how that one happened it just happened I mean someone should clue in all these fertility doctors I'm um, saying I guess <laughs> 
what, uh, so, you know, you've talked about um, uh, struggling with uh, drugs. Is that the reason your children were removed? Yes. Okay. Let's go back a little bit. Uh, what was the first time you ever used drugs? So, actually, I remember the day I did, the first time I did drugs, I um, picked up my friend, and she had just gotten out of jail, and I met her at the mall. I was, like, not really too sure of it, so, like, she couldn't get a hold of anybody, and I was just, like, kind of relieved. And then, like, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, finally somebody, like, came about, and I was just kind of, like, whatever, and then I did it, and I was like, oh, this isn't bad, like, I have all this energy, like, I'm... I feel like I'm being fun to be around, you know, and it kind of went off from there. I remember um, I was doing it for like two weeks and then I tried to like not do it and um, that's when I realized I was like, oh crap, like if I don't do it, I'm not going to get up and do anything. I'm just going to like go to sleep and I don't want to go to sleep because I, I, nobody had, nobody other than the people who I did the drug with knew that I was using. So like I nobody would have thought that me I would have done like I was I was always working I always had my kids like I did everything with my kids so whenever it eventually came out that I was using everyone was completely shocked and like at first nobody believed me they thought I was kidding and I was it was a joke and I was like no I'm serious I need help so this puts you in even more of a vulnerable position um so then after two weeks that's when you realized that it was a problem I think it was two weeks. I'm almost positive I was driving with my friend and like I I said to her like I was like um I'm not addicted. I'm just doing this for fun. But then I had dropped her off and I went to my mom's house and I didn't have anything with me because like I wasn't brave enough to bring it to my mom's house at this time yet. Yeah. Um and then like I didn't so I didn't have nothing and like I'm falling asleep and I couldn't get up and play with my kids, and then my mom's, like, trying to give me dinner, and I'm just like, no, thank you, and she's like, what is wrong with you? It's like, nothing, and at this time, she still didn't know. My mom didn't know until I told her. Right, and when did you tell her? Um, I don't remember exactly when I told her, but, um, I was so ashamed of myself, like, I couldn't say it to her face. Um, was it before or after the kids were removed? Before. Okay. My mom was so actually she... the one to call DCF on me first. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I told her through a text message that I was using, and I didn't want to anymore, and I wanted I wanted to stop and, like, help me, please. And her way of helping me was calling DCF because maybe they could have helped her because she's never dealt with an addict. Yeah. So she didn't know what to do. I mean, it made me mad at her. But looking back where I am now, like, I understand why she did it. She was just trying to get she help. She wanted to help me, and that's how, the only way she knew how. Um, was there... Okay, so, like, to me, when I know your story, I kind of look at, like, the series of events that happened, and I'm like, well, no wonder she ended up there, you know? Um, from the experiences that you've had um, when you were younger to some of the situations that you had when you were older... Um, you know, I could see how someone could be put in that position, but do you think that, you know, the first time you used, do you think that if that hadn't happened, it would have eventually started happening? Um, or do you think it was chance on that day? I think, honestly, like, 
if meth wasn't ever presented to me, because, like, it was my fault. Like, I nobody forced it into my mouth and, like, said, do this or we're going right. to shoot you in the head. Like, it was all me. Like, I, that's me. But if it wasn't put in front of me like that, no, I don't think I would have ended up on this path. Um, so what I, what I'm wondering is like, if there was someone in my life that this was going to be in their future, how could I stop it? So in your situation, like you were just in a really dark place. It sounds like you were struggling with some depression. So how could someone have stopped it? If someone was a support to you and recognized that you were struggling with depression and, um, maybe found a way to get you into therapy or to see a psychiatrist, do you think that would have stopped the path that was um to come or i mean honestly for me no um my mom was giving me all the support she she could like she was helping me with my kids like when i felt overwhelmed she would take them for me um i think i was just going down that path and eventually that's where i was gonna end up if somebody wouldn't put it in front of my face would i have done it no but i was drinking more than i should have so would i become an alcoholic instead of an addict so you are already predisposed to addiction and it was presented to you at a time when you were vulnerable and struggling and lacking an adequate healthy support system so the first time you used your you were with your friend uh she was like hey you gotta try this meth stuff had you ever heard of meth before so i mean she had came to my house before while she was on it i looked at my boyfriend at the time which is my kid's dad and um I was like, who would want to do that? She is all over the place, like arms flinging, like eyes looking bug-eyed. I was like, who would want to do that? So, I mean, I've seen her on it, but I mean, I guess I, she was like, she was my friend since I was little. So I was like, well, she's not going to put me in a bad situation. Yeah. So you trusted her. So did, was she like a support to you? When it came to drugs. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily mean she was helping you make good choices, but was she someone who you would go to when you were upset? Because at the time you were upset um, about the breakup with the father of your two. She tried to get my mind off things and be like, you're pretty, you're worth it. Like you don't need him, you can find anybody. So she was trying to be there for me. And like, I've known her for a long time and she's never gotten me in trouble. So I was, yeah, she was a support. When you first started using, you already had four kids. Yeah. When you first started using, you had recently broken up with um, the father of your uh, two middle girls. Yep. And um, what what were you like then? What was your life like while you were going through that breakup? So um, I was completely depressed. I was hurt. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I was um, so depressed that I couldn't eat. Like I physically couldn't eat. Like I would try to eat. And I'd make food for the kids and I would make myself a plate and like I was so depressed that I could not eat. Okay. So you didn't feel this after the breakup with the first guy, but that was more on your terms, right? Because yeah. he wasn't a good person to be around for you or the kids. So you kind of made that responsible choice. Yeah. But the second time um, you, uh, like he broke up with you? Yeah, he broke up with me and... Um, started dating some girl that he told me don't worry about her she's just a friend just a friend so <sighs> he started dating someone that he had probably had um relationship with before he broke up with you yeah and you were brokenhearted you were depressed um i mean it really does sound like a clinical depression at that point where you feel like you can't even like get out of bed or 
make food and stuff like that. And and at this point, you're all alone taking care of four kids. Were you living with your mom then? No, I was. Um, I had an apartment by myself. I mean, I had me, wow. my my kids' dad at the time, and the four girls or the four kids. Um, but then when he moved out, it was just you and the four it was kids. Just me and the kids. And I mean, you're all alone. Yeah, I mean, my neighbor would help me get the kids um, like off the bus or something like that. I think only one of them was in school at the time. I think he was, my son was in kindergarten. And other than that, and the kids weren't in daycare, so I had them all the time. And, like, I'm going through this breakup, and I don't know how to deal with it. And I'm doing the best I can. So, like, when somebody offered me something to, like, make all my feelings go away, I was like, please, like, this stuff, this sucks. I don't want to feel like this. Right. And um, so were you, um, at that point in time, he had left you. You're alone with four kids. Your friend is the person who's trying to help you get through the breakup, and she's the one that offers you meth. Yes. Okay. Did, is there anybody in your family, because we find a lot of the times that when someone uses drugs that they're usually more predisposed, especially when they get addicted. Um, I know some drugs are more addictive than others, and you know, I'm no science, biology, chemistry expert here, but... Um, I'm, I'm assuming that genetics play into that. Did you have any, like, aunts, uncles, anybody, brothers, cousins, anybody who has struggled with addiction in your family? You don't have to give me specifics, but has anybody in your family struggled with addiction? Yeah, um, my dad's an alcoholic, and my aunt, so I don't think she's ever come to terms with it, but she's an addict. I remember whenever I was younger, um, my aunt would give me something to make me go to sleep. I'm thinking it was a Xanax. I don't remember. Stop it. Yeah, and then I was spending the night at some house with her and her boyfriend, and she gave me something to go to sleep, so I guess they could go and have sex while I slept, and um, she gave it to me, and uh, this man has now passed away from an overdose, but yeah, when I was I was in like seventh grade, eighth grade. Okay, so... And again, um, I didn't know what I was taking, and it's my aunt, so, like, she's not going to get at me anything that I'm not supposed to take. Yeah, it's probably, I think, like, a Tylenol PM, right? Yeah, I think at that age that you just trust the person that is taking care of you, and you, you know, I would never think that someone was... Like, there's something that you've said to me a lot, and I'm going to ask you to share that um, about, you know, how, your feelings about uh, the kids having come into care and, you know... Um, it's my fault that my kids were taken from me. Like nobody, nobody did anything to, to me to make my kids be taken away. And like, it kills me on what I did, not only to myself, but my kids to like, see how hurt my kids were when they were taken away from me, not once, but twice. And like the trauma that I put my kids through, cause I didn't mean to hurt them. Like I was trying to deal with my emotions the only way I knew how. And the fact that I hurt my kids, it kills me. Yeah. Whenever you say that to me, that's when I know you get it. And uh, that's why I, I have such faith in you because um, it takes a lot to not only um, take accountability for what, what um, choices you've made, but also to recognize the effects on your kids. And that's admirable. Yeah. I mean, it didn't come to me right away that like it was my fault. I mean, first I wanted to blame my ex and you know if he wouldn't have gave me the wrong pee I wouldn't be in this situation <laughs> but when it comes down to it I was gonna get caught eventually I mean and right. honestly I'm glad it happened because it saved mine and my kids life yeah um you mentioned a couple of times that um your your ex had overdosed 
the first time that you saw someone overdose, was that then? Yeah, that was the first time I ever seen somebody overdose. Um, it terrified me. Like, I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. And I was by myself with him. I mean, he had jokingly said something about, he's like, come take a shower with me. And I was like, um, no, not happening. And then, like, 20 minutes later, like, 20 minutes go by, and he's still in there, and the shower is running. And I'm like, is he okay? And I didn't know he was doing something he could overdose on. So, like, I just opened the door, and I found him with his face in the toilet, and, like, he was gone. And I flipped out. Like, I got him, like, on his side just in case he threw up so he didn't, like, choke on it. But so I, he was, like, unconscious? Uh, he was blue. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was blue. Yeah, it was really scary, and, like, I, it scared me to get clean for, like, a little bit, but then when you see somebody that overdosed and, like, they're not doing anything to change it, but you're trying to do something to change it. It's like, well, they don't care. Why should I care? What what happened? Like, so he was blue. You flipped him over. How did how did he come back? Um. So I got him on his side, and I had him laying there, and um, I was about to call nine one one, but I had called um one of the guys that was there with us, and um they were literally happened to be in the parking lot, so they came in and they were dumping ice water on him, and um. They were trying to get him to come back, and uh, they called his dealer, and his dealer came back and narcaned him, and he so, wasn't high anymore, but he was alive. Yeah. Okay, so um, most most people who have um, strong addictions, especially drug addictions, have experienced either um, severe trauma, such as physical, sexual, emotional abuse, or struggle with um, mental health issues that are unmedicated or untherapized, is that a word, therapized, uh, that, that haven't been receiving therapy. Did you, once, once you started, once you went to like inpatient rehab and really intensive stuff, did you ever figure out uh, like the core reason of why you became an addict or do you think it was just the culmination of a lot of things? So I think that I had trauma from my childhood that I literally just buried underneath me. And then I had um, stuff going on with my dad where um, I wanted I wanted my dad to be there for me. And my dad at the time was in the area I was living in. And uh, you don't know this, Jack, but my dad actually tried to get me to do meth with him. <gasps> He uh, tried to get me to buy it with him. So then that was like a connection. Like, oh, my dad's there for me. He wants to hang out with me. He loves me. Was that before you started using meth or No, after? this was after. Wow. Yeah, he, we went to a strip club together. And, yeah. Family bonding. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't do anything now. But at the time, like, I guess just this area is just not good do you, to be in, I guess. Do you know um, that Kat and I were doing some research last week and... Um, even though the uh, the Miami area, Miami-Dade, um, that they have like millions and millions more people than we do in, um, in our area, that we actually have more children in care. I, I believe it. I 100% believe it's it. It's such a hot spot for, um, um, you know, especially the opioid crisis and, you know, meth is a really big problem around here. And it breaks my heart. I just wish because especially when when I see people in drugs, I just see broken people and hurting people, and I just wish that we could fix the brokenness instead of getting angry with when when bad things are done because of the drugs. You know. I mean, I know somebody who does drugs and like he does them because he grew up with it. Like that's the only thing he knows. So, I mean, to 
like he doesn't know how to live without it and then my kid's dad he was like born with a silver spoon in his mouth like he had everything like why did he have to go and do drugs because like there was no need for it but I don't know we both wound up in that situation you know sometimes when you look on the outside and somebody might have a lot of money or position and seem to have a great home life and there might be other things going on that um, that happen behind closed doors that sometimes nobody ever finds out about and you know just just because somebody seems to have a perfect life it doesn't always mean that they do but also sometimes people are just given every opportunity and still end up down that path and it's it's heartbreaking um, especially when you see how it affects all the people around them and the people that love them and you know you know that I I lost my brother um, last year and when you know we didn't we had no clue how such a healthy young guy could just drop dead in the middle of you know in the middle of the night I guess and um, once once all the um, blood work was done and we found out that he had overdosed and none of us knew that he was using drugs it was shocking it's uh, it's crazy how um, you know drug uh, the drug epidemic is not discriminate um, uh, at all and will take a lot of people um, now have you lost anybody who um, used um, my first boyfriend that I ever had um, when I came home from rehab he overdosed and died um, one of the girls I was friends with in rehab she overdosed and died um I know there's a bunch more but those are the two that like literally stick in my head well I want you to know that I'm really glad that's not you and I'm sorry for the losses that you've had but I am so 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 thankful that um that our girls have your heart beaten and healthy body and that you're doing so well thank you I mean I'm really thankful that it drugs didn't take me out and I did get my stuff together because that could have been me if I didn't do it and then my kids would be living without a mom because I didn't want to get my stuff together and I never want them to feel like they're, they weren't good enough for me to get clean. So let me ask you this then, are you scared that you're going to relapse? I mean it's I'm always going to be scared I'm going to relapse but do I put myself in the situation where like I have drugs in front of me? No. There's always a chance that somebody's going to relapse. Like somebody can have a bad day and be clean for 20 years and go out and relapse. Like it happens. But I know if I were to ever relapse, I have people to reach out to. I have meetings to go to. I know where I know what I need to do to get clean again. Okay. And do you have like, um, I know you and I have talked about this, but what, um, like, do you have a plan? Like when you start feeling like, you want to use so if there's somebody out there who's feeling like they want to use do you have any tips for them or steps they can take well i mean whenever i feel overwhelmed i go i either call you or i go to my transitional housing or i go to a meeting and like i see how bad it could be because you hear people tell their stories on how bad it used to be and how better life gets once you do get clean i mean your problems don't completely go away but i'd rather have <laughs> all the problems I have now, like being terrified of what I'm going to feed my kids for the rest of their life, than, um, than the problems of when am I going to get high next. Right, right. Um, and I know that we had talked about, like, one of the things um, is making a phone tree. So some people that I had spoken with told me that one of the first things you should do is make a phone tree. Make a list of people that you can call when you're feeling that way. 
And, you know, if one person doesn't pick up or doesn't have time to chat, you just keep going down the list and, uh, you know, get somebody on the phone who can get you through that. Um, and, uh, yeah, because this is it. The kids are coming home for good. <laughs> no take backs. <laughs> I know. But just because they're home for good doesn't mean they're not coming back to visit. I'm just no, saying. Better not. Uh, okay, let me ask you this. Um, you have been so successful in what you've done that a lot of the programs that you were involved with have been using you to mentor other parents. So with your experience with that, what have you found to be the biggest thing that keeps people from beating addiction? Not letting go of their old friends, thinking that you can be clean and sober and still live the same life that you were living. Right, so it's really that isolation factor of like just absolutely removing um, every aspect of that and not letting anything seep in yeah yeah so what do you think i know this is like a really big question but what do you think the community as a whole can do to stop more kids coming into care so we know in our area the biggest reason is drugs so what do you think our community could do to help that so that more kids could stay with their parents like, so whenever I went to tell my mom that I was using and I wanted help, I was so embarrassed and scared of what my mom was going to think of me. So, I mean, there's a lot of judgment on addicts, but we don't go and like, I mean, we do use for the first time and like, that's how it starts, but it's not like, you know, you drink coffee once and then you don't get addicted to it. So what makes you think you do drugs one time and you're just going to get addicted to it? So, I mean, offering like somebody to talk to and be like, listen, I'm not gonna judge you. Like I'm here if you need help. I mean, I have people that are still using um, now. I mean, they reach out to me and they they like ask me for rides or something. I'll be like, I'll take you to detox, but like other, I'm not taking you to the no trap house. I'm not taking you to nobody's house. I'll take you to detox or transitional housing. And even then I wouldn't do that alone. Yeah. What are your goals for your future and your kid's future? Um, so goals for me is eventually move out on my own whenever I feel like I'm stable enough to do it by myself because I will have all of my kids, you know, as a single parent. Um, I want to get my CNA license and better my career. Um, with my kids, I just want them to do good in school and honestly, like, I just want them to, like, keep looking back on what they had to go through as a child and not repeat my pattern. Yeah, I mean, I want to break the cycle with them. That's amazing because that's like something that you see in foster care a lot is because of the trauma the kids go through just being in the foster care system that a lot of the times they end up being more predisposed um, to, to make those choices. But I think that you have just done a fantastic job of being honest with your kids about, you know, the consequences of actions. And um, I, I really am a lot less worried about them with them than, than, I, than I would normally be. So, uh, yeah, that's a great goal. Um, so tell me the first thing you're going to do when you get home today with your kids. So we're not even going to get home till late because we still have to go pick up their sister after we leave here. So honestly, we're probably going to make dinner, put a movie on, and snuggle. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to get all my snuggles. That. What would you want the public to know about um, biological parents? that we we all do like we all make mistakes but that mistake isn't who we have to be forever like 
I'm an addict, I guess I'll always be an addict, but I'm not making those same mistakes that I used to make. Like, I've changed my whole entire life around and like, I don't wanna be judged for my past my whole life. Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social. We hope that you join us again next time and keep on fostering the future.